The Holy Gospel according to St. Luke, the 16th chapter. Glory be to thee, O Lord. Jesus also said to the disciples, There was a rich man who had a manager, and charges were brought to him that this man was wasting his possessions. And he called him and said to him, What is this that I hear about you? Turn in the account of your management, for you can no longer be manager. And the manager said to himself, What shall I do, since my master is taking the management away from me? I am not strong enough to dig, and I am ashamed to beg. I have decided what to do, so that when I am removed from management, people may receive me into their houses. So summoning his master's debtors one by one, he said to the first, How much do you owe my master? He said, A hundred measures of oil. He said to him, Take your bill and sit down quickly and write fifty. Then he said to another, And how much do you owe? He said, A hundred measures of wheat. He said to him, Take your bill and write eighty. The master commended the dishonest manager for his shrewdness. For the sons of this world are more shrewd in dealing with their own generation than the sons of light. And I tell you, make friends for yourselves by means of unrighteous wealth, so that when it fails, they may receive you into the eternal dwellings. One who is faithful in a very little is also faithful in much. And one who is dishonest in a very little is also dishonest in much. If then you have not been faithful in the unrighteous wealth, who will entrust to you the true riches? And if you have not been faithful in that which is another's, who will give you that which is your own? No servant can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. This is the Gospel of the Lord. Praise be to thee, O Christ. Comparisons can be a dangerous thing, especially when the comparison is made at the hands of one whom we love. So maybe, maybe you've heard these words, or maybe you've said them. Why can't you be more like so-and-so? Why can't you be more like your brother, more like your cousin, more like your neighbors? Why can't you be better like all of those people over there? Maybe you've heard those words. Maybe you've said them yourselves. Undoubtedly, you have all thought them in your own hearts. We all can see our shortcomings and make comparisons. We look at the people around us and wonder why we can't be more like those who are doing better than us. Comparisons abound in the Bible, and you can see how much trouble it is. So think all the way back to Cain and Abel. There they were offering their sacrifices. Abel, out of faith, offering the first fruit of his flock. Cain, in disbelief, offering the fruits of the ground. And God did not look with favor on Cain's sacrifice, and so his face was cast down. He couldn't stand the comparison. Why can't I be more like my brother? Why does God like him better than he likes me? Or take Joseph, another great example of this. You can imagine, we don't hear it recorded in the scriptures, but you can imagine Jacob saying to his son Joseph, to whom he'd given that amazing technicolor dream coat, Joseph, you're my favorite son. All the rest of you, why can't you be more like Joseph? And of course, they respond appropriately. They want to throw Joseph into a pit and murder him. Those kinds of comparisons can be deadly. 
They can be deadly even if you never hear them from outside of you. They can be deadly especially when they're in your own heart because they make you discontent, they make you grumble, they make you despair, or they make you proud. It leads to sin, those kinds of comparisons. And that is why it is shocking today, (laughs) I find it shocking, that Jesus makes one such comparison in our gospel lesson. Did you hear it? He said, look at the world all around you. All of these people, the sons of this age, who are living for temporal fleeting things like money. Look at how diligently they serve their master. How hard they work, what they're willing to sacrifice, what they'll give up, what they'll suffer. In order to obtain a little bit more of something that's just going to go away in the end. Look at how diligent they are. Jesus says, why can't you be more like them? The sons of this age are shrewder than the sons of light. They work for things that are fading away, but the sons of light, God's children, those who've been called by the gospel, you, you are laboring for something that will not go away, something that will never fade away, something eternal and good because it is from God on high, and yet we are tempted to be far less diligent than the world is in going after things that will not last. This is the point of the whole parable. The parable is a confusing one at times because it seems like the unjust steward is being commended for being a rotten guy. And it's true, he's a rotten guy. Look at what he's willing to give up in order to have a little bit of comfort. So he starts by being a scoundrel, wasting his master's possessions. And when he finds out that his job is on the line and he's going to be cast out into the darkness, he sets about wasting even more being more of a scoundrel than he was before, lying and defrauding his master. He's willing to sacrifice his reputation. He's willing to sacrifice his conscience. He's willing to sacrifice justice and righteousness. Why? Just so that he can have a little bit of comfort. He gives all of that up because he loves one thing and one thing only. He serves his belly. He serves himself. And he serves himself well. So well, in fact, that even after he's defrauded his master, his master says, hey, i got to give it to you. You really went after that. You didn't work that hard for me, but look at how hard you worked for yourself. That's something. It is, isn't it? It's an amazing thing how hard the world works after things that are going away. Jesus is talking specifically about money, mammon, worldly wealth, possessions, treasures in this life, and it's easy to see how the world labors after that, working long hours, sacrificing friends and family, doing things that are unconscionable just to get a little bit more money. It's so easy to see in our world. And it's also so easy to see how it all goes away. The richest men, they die. The richest men accumulate all kinds of wealth for themselves and they may enjoy it while they've got it, but in the end, who does it go to? Who knows? And they don't care, for they lie in the grave. But it's not just mammon, it's not just money. Think about all of the other things that people treasure in their lives. I was thinking about the kinds of things that people are willing to sacrifice for. So kids' sports is a great example of this. Think about the long hours of practice. If if you play football, I think you have to get up before school and go to practice. You have to sweat and you have to work hard and you have to listen to everything the coach tells tells you to do regardless if he's barking at you or being nice to you. You have to do it all. You have to suffer. You have to put up all kinds of time and energy and all kinds of money just to make the team. And yet, look at how much people are willing to give in order to pursue that. 
I have a friend who was a pastor in Pennsylvania, and he'd stand in his church, in his pulpit, preaching to his congregation. He could see out the window the field over where they were playing lacrosse, where everybody got up that morning super early to drive hours and hours and hours to come and play lacrosse so their kids could enjoy that time together. Look at what they gave up. Look at what they were willing to sacrifice. A weekend in order to pursue sports. Or leisure is another one. I was thinking about hunting and fishing, thinking about the discomfort of sitting out in the cold, in the snow, hungry and tired, not seeing anything, willing to put up with being skunked entirely, and yet how gladly we do it, or many of us do, because it's a treasure. It's something we love, something we hold dear. Or vanity. You've heard it said that beauty is pain and pain is beauty, right? What people are willing to give up in order to look beautiful day after day, making an effort to make sure that they look good to the world, see how they're willing to sacrifice. Perhaps the lowest hanging fruit, and I was struck by this this week, the lowest hanging fruit is education. Think about what people are willing to give up in order to make sure their kids are educated. The schools have it. So that you have to attend school a certain number of days in the year. If there's a snow day, you don't get to take that day off at the end of the year. You have to add that day on. And you have to show up day after day, day after day of learning, reading, writing, and arithmetic. Why? Because it takes time in order to learn those things. It takes time in order to gain earthly wisdom. Everybody knows it takes time and energy and attention and dedication. And so we give it. Where is that time and dedication and energy for things that are eternal, for heavenly wisdom, for things that will not fade away. Why do we assume so easily that these things in this life, they take effort and diligence, and you have to sacrifice and suffer for them? But heavenly wisdom, well, that doesn't take any effort at all. Maybe an hour on a Sunday morning, maybe every other week, maybe once a month, maybe once a year. That's all it takes to gain heavenly wisdom. How can that possibly be true? Why can't we be more like them? Diligent in the things of God, in the things that will last forever. Spending our time and our energy and our attention on things that are from God, things that are good, on heavenly wisdom. Are we going to let them outdo us? Now, I don't think Jesus is playing some sort of a guilt card here. He's not like a scolding and nagging parent, why can't you be more like them? Instead, he's offering you this comparison so that you can see how good he is to you. Think about the difference between the things of this world for which everyone is inclined to strive. Think about the difference between those things and eternal things. St. Paul puts it this way. He says, they run this race for a perishable wreath. Things that go away. How often have you felt like you have wasted your time? How often are you afraid that you will find out you have wasted your time? How often do you look back with regret and say, what was I doing spending my time and energy and money on that? Those instances are common enough in our life, but look at what Jesus says. He says it's everything. It's this whole life. It's every earthly thing, every treasure that can get laid up and destroyed by moth and rust and stolen by thieves, it's all going away. Listen again to what Jesus says about unrighteous mammon. He says, Make friends for yourself by means of unrighteous wealth, so that when it fails, they may receive you into the eternal dwellings. When it fails, not if it fails, 
But when it fails, this is like driving through the desert on fumes. You're going to run out eventually. You might console yourself by thinking, well, if I push the gas pedal a little bit harder, maybe I'll jiggle that gas tank. Maybe if we're going downhill, then we can make it a little bit further. But the point is that it will fail. The things of this life will disappoint. They will not prove true. They fade away. And so Jesus says, use them, use them rightly in order to make friends for yourself for eternity. That is to say, don't aim at the things of this life for their own sake, but instead aim at heavenly things. St. Paul puts it this way, they strive for a perishable wreath. You know those crowns that the Olympians would get made of leaves that would fade away, they'd wither. You might be able to preserve them for a while, but eventually they turn to dust. But we, St. Paul says, strive for an imperishable wreath. And this is the best news of all. It is that whatever you do as a Christian, in faith, trusting in God, whatever you do as a Christian is not a waste, never a waste, never fading away, never going bad. In fact, it lasts to all eternity. What we are striving for as Christians, when we aim at faith and love, what we are striving after is eternal. It is infinitely better. There is no comparison. The things of this world can't hold a candle to the things of God. It's not just for eternity, though. It's also for right now. God wants to give you gifts from on high for eternity and for right now. And that is why we should strive diligently, labor intensely, sacrifice and suffer willingly for the things of God. This labor of faith and love, it is rewarded by God himself. It is never a waste. Now, that's important to say out loud and to repeat to yourself. I find myself struggling with this constantly. When it comes time to pray, I make, I make lists of who I should pray for. And when it comes time to pray, it always feels like, let me get this done quickly because I have more important things to do. I have better ways that I could help people than by praying for them. Isn't that striking? When it comes time to solve a problem, I always sit and think, maybe if I just really wrestle with this in my own mind for a little while, then I'll be able to solve it, as opposed to studying God's word and gaining wisdom from God. When it comes to writing a sermon, I'm always tempted to spend all my time looking for a cute and clever illustration, as opposed to listening to what God says and having him teach me what I should say to you. It's so easy to feel like it's a waste. That's the devil at work. And so you have to listen to God's promises. The time that you spend in Scripture saying your prayers in worship, the time you spend with your family and friends talking about the things of God, talking about your Savior, the time that you spend pursuing righteousness, choosing what is good instead of what is evil, obeying your conscience, the time that you spend doing those things is never wasted. Not a drop of it will be put to shame. It is all good, it is all redeemed by God, and it lasts to eternity. And that's the good news Jesus wants to give you. Those people who strive after the things of this world, they will be gravely disappointed. Jesus is pointing out the tragedy. In the end, as they lie in their graves where where their bones are being eaten away by worms, they will have none of the things they labored for. But you, you, even there, you'll lie secure. That's what it said in the hymn. There is nothing worth comparing to this lifelong comfort sure. Open-eyed, my grave is staring even there. I'll sleep secure. 
While my flesh awaits its raising, still my soul continues praising. I am baptized into Christ. You sang those words. Hold them dear, this treasure that you have from Christ, the forgiveness of sins by his body and blood given and shed for you, the wisdom that comes from his word, wisdom that begins with the fear of the Lord, that is all yours in spades. Hold on to it tightly. Pursue nothing else. Nothing else matters. God has given this all to you as as a gift out of his mercy and his love for you. And so we should treasure it dearly. Don't think to yourself, why can't I be more like other people? Instead, listen to Jesus and say, look at how much better it can be for you. To God alone be all glory now and forever. Amen. Amen.